the single biggest misconception if there is a problem let's throw technology at it and the problem will go away technology is a means to an end right the technology never ever solves the problem technology is what would enable you to solve that problem Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I want to take a minute and welcome you into the Kelly family. I also want to let you know that this show exists for you. So if you're an organizational leader who's wrestling with some sort of uh, topic of leadership, whether that's cultural related, whether that's uh, organizational development, whatever it may be, uh, maybe you want to get a hold of some of our faculty, uh, get some of the research, see where trends are evolving or developing, or you know of an individual who would make an awesome guest for our show, we would love to hear from you. The best way you can do that is to send us an email to ROIPod, that's ROI. P-O-D at IUPUI.edu. So as the economy is continuing to rebound post, post-pandemic, as you know, we are starting to see things uh, slowly begin to wane and uh, you know, we're seeing some businesses reopen. Uh, one thing that is certain is that this pandemic, I believe, has opened up just a lot of vulnerabilities with the inside organization. You know, we do things as organizational leaders. Uh, we think everything is going to be that's the same day in and day out. Uh, but yet there are forces at work, economic forces, and in this case, health forces. There are forces at work um, that do come in and totally disrupt our way of doing business. And we have to be prepared for that. And COVID has done uh, just as an example of that, of how we need to be prepared. But what about organizations that are still struggling? What about organizations, I mean, who've been really hit hard during this time? And what about organizations who just don't know um, how to get out of where they're at? On this episode, uh, we are going to sit down with a Kelly professor who's been working on a really special project uh, that's helping organizations get back on their feet through digital means. But I mean by that is, you know, creating websites, helping helping organizations make sure they get their name out there and having the technological tools uh, to be able to grow their organization. So I am honored to be joined by Bipin Prabhakar, the Kelly School of Business Professor of Information Systems and faculty lead of Kelly's Project Hope, which is a, a project that is delivering digital capabilities and technology training for small businesses during COVID. Bipin, Thank you so much, and it's an honor to have you here on our podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's get into you know what you're doing. Uh, talk briefly about this Project Hope. You know, it's something that uh, you and your students have been working with organizations who've been hit by COVID. So to really understand Project Hope, we have to kind of go back to the time when you know COVID started sweeping across the country, and we went into a lockdown. So when that happened, many businesses found that they were dependent on customers actually walking in through the door to actually engage with them, whether it is buying products in a retail store or um, whether it is a restaurant that is dependent on people actually coming in for, for dining in. And it took everybody by surprise. Now, most businesses believe that they have really good technical capabilities. And what COVID-19 did is expose that many systems and many businesses were not really ready 
for a world where they did not have people walking into their premises. So um, we were watching a lot of businesses getting uh, directly impacted. Uh, Many businesses were on the verge of going um, out of business and some actually did. And from a student standpoint, from an academic standpoint, we were also finding that a number of our students who were looking for internships suddenly had their job search canceled, right? So companies were in advanced stages of recruiting and they would say, well, you know, we just went into shutdown. We can really uh, bring you on. So a colleague of mine, uh, Professor Alan Dennis, approached me and said, hey, we heard about this university out on the East Coast that was deploying students to help local businesses. Could we do something? And uh, so Alan and I kind of brainstormed and said, yes, we need to do this. But we also said, you know, as um, Indiana's university, if you would, that we needed to go big and not really just focus on a handful of uh, local businesses, but to actually tackle the problem at scale. Uh, We uh, partnered with one of our colleagues, uh, Professor Keith Dayton, and the three of us kind of launched Project Hope. The idea was to take these students who had tremendous capabilities, uh, who were finishing up the Master of Science and in Information Systems or the MSIS program and deploy them to actually help these businesses circumvent or transcend whatever challenges that they were facing. So it was an interesting time. Uh, if you look at the Kelly School, most of our focus really is on big businesses, right? Particularly when we think about it from a technology standpoint, we train our students to go out and work at a consulting firm like a Deloitte or an IBM or um, you know, Accenture, EY, then, uh, or we train them to go out and work at a firm like an Eli Lilly or a Procter & Gamble or Facebook or Salesforce or on the technology and the technology that they need to actually run their business. When we started looking at small businesses, we realized that everything was different in that world, right? Uh, The technology stack was different. Uh, Now, from a conceptual standpoint, it's not different, but the scale was very different. So we had to uh, put together a team of students and we charged them with going out and understanding what technologies could be used for a business that had five employees right? A business that um, had manufacturing capabilities, but, you know, they're not really a Toyota. Uh, They are making parts for Toyota. So what do we do with them? Uh, So we did about a two-week time frame where all we were doing was research. So we went out and said, how can we create a bundle of technologies to solve whatever problem these companies might have, right? Whether it is uh, creating a customer-facing website, the ability to take orders or connecting into electronic markets like Amazon Marketplace or eBay. So it's a variety of things that we uh, wanted to do. Uh, So we did an initial period of research. We signed on three companies to be pilots. And uh, we decided that given that there was a pandemic going on, we really did not have the luxury of doing, you know, six week, two month, three month projects. So probably the single biggest, I guess, monumental decision we made at the beginning of everything was we would not let a project run more than two weeks. And that looking back on it contributed so much to our ability to reach a very, very large number of clients. 
can help a very large number of businesses. So we basically time box projects and said, we're going to go in, we are only going to tackle existential problems, right? So we would not do any, oh, this would be nice to have. No. What does it take for you to stay in business, to reach your customers and set you up for long term? So we clearly recognized up front that we came from a very different technological set of capabilities, and we were helping companies that really had never had to run their business on a technology platform anymore. So we had a huge emphasis on training and enabling them to essentially drive the technology after we were gone. And I think that's really interesting because the vast majority of businesses that, you know, really support our economy, at least our small businesses, you know, I mean, yeah, you do have your Toyota, Toyotas and IBMs and Facebooks that are massive conglomerates, but the vast majority of organizations are small businesses. And I think, you know, that's a really interesting way that, you know, you got to learn uh, a lot more and students really got hands-on uh, practice into, you know, what is happening not not in Silicon Valley in these major tech places, but what's happening in my neighborhood? What's happening in in our backyard? You know, and what problems can I use my skill set, you know, to address? And I think that's fantastic. And also, you know, I'm sure through this process, everyone was being able to figure out what vulnerabilities were there. You know, and I want to go into that because I think you know a lot of the organizations you're dealing with. I know for a fact, so many other organizations have similar or the same problems, um, and I want to go through that. So, talk, start unpacking. You know, what were some things that began to surprise you as you and your students began really sitting down with these organizations? Was there any commonalities you were being able to find with what organizational leaders just were not thinking about? That's an interesting question, and I you know, love your preface about how much small businesses uh, impact our economy. And I didn't know the statistic, but 99% of businesses in Indiana are classified as small businesses, right? So that's you know that's a huge number. Uh, so the first thing that we realized talking to uh, the clients, talking to these businesses, was when you look at a small business, there is a level of emotion that the business leaders have. They, they are in it because they are passionate about what they do. They are in it because they had an idea at some point in their life and they decided to launch something on their own. So when you think about most of your large businesses, we have people running those businesses who are trained to run the business. When it comes to a small business, we have highly effective managers who are basically running the business because of their intuition and because of their innate capabilities, and most importantly, their passion for what they do. So for most of these people, this was their life. Their employees are their family, right? So when COVID hit, and you're looking at potential disruptions to business or even having to shut down, it really was a very personal, emotional reaction. So when we started working with companies, that's the first thing that struck us, right? This is not a dispassionate project where you go in, you have an objective conversation about what's going on and what can we do to help you. Rather, it's like the boat's sinking. 
right? What can we do to suddenly plug the leak? And ultimately, we want to get it to a point where it can sail uncharted waters. And that's how we approached it. So the skill set on the part of the students had to evolve very, very rapidly. It's one thing to talk to a business professional to understand their problems. It's a completely different skill set to talk to a small business owner about their business processes, understanding how their business actually works, understanding the pain points, and then turning around and saying, how can we apply technology throughout this process lifecycle to enable them to continue to do their business? And that's one thing, you know, definitely to, to know is, you know, obviously when, when you have an organization that's sinking and you have, you know, for sadly so many organ people and organizations who may be even listening in, you know, if, if you lost your business, I mean, like my heart goes out to you and I can only imagine the loss, you know, of what it feels like to lose it. But the, you, when you get to that point, you're almost clinging to anything and you're hoping that someone comes in with all the answers, you know, but, you know, and in this instance, and a lot of times, like you can't have all the answers answered. You can only find, you know, okay, where are the big pain points? How can I just stop the bleeding? Like the goal is not to get this back to the top. The goal is to stop the hemorrhaging so we can move forward. And I think, you know, for this conversation in particular, I mean, you know, it's that focus on the technology part, uh, you know, that's really important. That's the path we're going to take is just focusing on uh, technology. And so what did, what did you and your students begin to discover, you know, as you were starting to jump into these small businesses and, you know, start implementing or finding ways to bring technology, you know, what were uh, some spots where, you know, that were, that were overlooked or where have, did you find maybe organizational leaders overlooking uh, when it came to technology and how they can grow their business or to sustain their business? So I would say that, you know, the, the single biggest misconception and most technology people are more guilty than anybody else about this is that if there is a problem, let's throw technology at it and the problem will go away, right? And one of the things that we try to inculcate in our students in the MSIS program is that technology is a means to an end, right? The technology never ever solves the problem. Technology is what would enable you to solve that problem. So we always approach problem sets from a three-dimensional or a three-lens perspective, with technology being one of them. But the second, uh, probably the most important one is the people. And the third one is the process. So what exactly is the technology enabling? How does that part of that business process work? How is that technology going to be used? And ultimately, how do we enable the business to actually become better? Because now they have a tool that will help them take orders, right? That will help them avoid issues in missing orders or uh, shipping issues or being able to predict uh, when the customer would receive the product in a much more accurate fashion. So technology can do all kinds of amazing things. But if we forget the fact that this is about enabling business processes and it's about enabling the business itself to serve their people and their customers, then um, throwing technology at the problem, you would have just spent some money and nothing would come out of it. And I think that's a very valid point because I think so many organizational leaders have that mindset of, well, we just bring in this piece of technology and 
all will be well. When in reality, technology is simply just a tool like you, like anything else in your office or, you know, like you're trying to just having a piece of paper on your desk is not going to make you a business proposal that's going to make you, you know, rich beyond your wildest dreams. It's there's that people process like you were saying. Uh, and, and so go into, you know, organizations, let's say that had that mindset, you know, I'm sure you, you dealt with some or organizational leaders who thought, oh, you guys are going to come in, write some code, and then all my problems will be, you know, taken care of. You know, how did you uh, begin to come in, I mean, especially from a technology perspective, with that interaction between people who are very technologically sound and, and organizational leaders who maybe know a little bit about technology, but or just hoping that you're going to just solve all my problems. How do you begin to shift that mindset to see how do organizations get to the philosophy or get to the bottom line that that what's really causing the issue? So that's a good question, right? So a lot of it is about sitting down with uh, the business owner and with the employees. And when I say sitting down, you know, remember that this was in the middle of the pandemic. So 100% of our work was actually done remotely. We haven't met a single client face-to-face, right? Everything was done remotely. Uh, so basically having a conversation, uh, initially we, we would triage, um, understand what the problem is, understand what the business objective is, what the business processes are, who their partners are. Particularly, if you recall, one of the big challenges was the supply chain. So many of them uh, had their supply chains disrupted where they were dependent on local vendors who themselves were uh, disrupted by the pandemic. So we had to plug them into online marketplaces so that their supply chain would not get disrupted. So step one was always just sitting down with them and understanding the business itself, right? What comes into the business? What goes out? What's the value proposition? And once we did that, we kind of went back and said, what standard set of technologies can we use? So one of the key elements in that was we did not actually do anything that was totally unique for any firm. We created standardized technologies. And in those standardized technologies, we used vendors that were going to be around for a long time so that uh, so we did not push the envelope, right? We used established players and we made sure that the technology was exceptionally user-friendly. So we were always cognizant of the fact that once we build it, these small businesses did not have, for the most part, any technological capabilities to change the system or adapt the system that they had to be just using the system, right? So... So for example, when you think about your analogy of having a paper and creating a business plan, uh, if you have a pen and paper, then the rest of it is coming from you, right? The pen and paper essentially gets out of the way. It just becomes a means to an end. And technology, when it is done right, it enables what you want to do. And ultimately, it can actually help you create things that you could not do without those tools. So... While we stopped the bleeding, while we you know, turned things around, and in many cases, we uh, enabled the business to actually serve the population, their, their customers, much better, in the long run, many of them are actually now flourishing because they 
are able to serve their customers in ways that they were not able to do before, right? So if you think about a retail and now that retail is slowly coming back, a retail store suddenly has become omni-channel, right? What used to be a small walk-in and buy things here, you can now interact with them online. You can order online, pick it up in store. You can see it in the store, go back home and on, and buy online or just buy completely online, sitting somewhere halfway across the world and you didn't even know that the small business existed in the small town in Indiana that specialized in something you could not get locally, right? So it's almost like, uh, you know, creating a capability that uh, didn't exist prior to COVID and then, we slowly start inching back to normal, the old business is coming back, but now these small businesses are finding that they're able to serve a whole another set of clients that they didn't have earlier. And one thing that you said that I think is really fascinating and I really want to highlight is I think a lot of organizations, uh, even if they're not failing, just organizations and organizational leaders have the tendency of seeing a new piece of technology or seeing uh, some new you know, software out there that's quote unquote revolutionizing the industry because every it seems like almost every marketing tool with every piece of software is this will change everything how you do business, everything. You, know, you make these grand claims and organizations will implement that technology and then they'll try to like disrupt their own process so the, to fit the technology. So they'll bring this technology in and totally disrupt the way they've done, how they've done their business to fit the technology rather than what you said, and I think it's a really interesting point, is keep your process. You have a process that's worked for your organization. Now, how do you get technology to fit that process? It's almost flipping flipping that mindset over. You know, so talk about, you know, even through what you've learned in this project, how important that mindset is of not necessarily totally disrupting your process to bring in technology to fit it, but rather just cater and fit technology to what you're currently doing. So that's a very interesting conflict that we deal with in technology, which is do we adapt the process to match the technology or do we adapt the technology to match the process? So interestingly enough, we did not adapt the technology much, you know, because our goal was to standardize. So the downside of adapting technology to match the process is that everybody gets a custom installation, which becomes a nightmare from a maintenance standpoint. And we actually discovered quite a lot of that as we started working with companies where somebody did exactly what you were saying, right? Somebody sold to them this vision of technology and then they had implemented some technology and it was not really getting used. So when you look at, um, it's not really about adapting the business processes, but it's about helping the business understand how you could fit in these standardized blocks of technology into their business process. So it will in some ways change some of the business processes. The risk is not recognizing that change. So the big thing that we did was whenever the business process was going to change because of the technology that we had introduced, we spent a lot of time making sure that the business was ready for that change that they could handle that change. So we emphasize training. So it's interesting when you think about that two week time frame that I mentioned in the beginning, uh, which is our time block for every project, 
we, toward the end, we would get the technology piece of the project done in about three days, right? So, so two days to study the problem, three days, maybe four days to actually create the technology because the more businesses we helped, the more standardized building blocks we had. So we put it all together. It was a question of making it look like their own. And if you see the work that we did, you will never recognize it as anything but custom. But underneath it, it was all standardized building blocks so that somebody else down the road would be able to come in and if necessary, help the business and understand what we had done. The rest of the time, we worked with the business to help them get used to this new technology and to adapt and change. So we ended up with a satisfaction, uh, customer satisfaction rate in the mid 90% which is shocking given that we were taking a lot of companies that had never done technology before and putting them onto these technology platforms. And that's, you know, really good to know because I, like you were saying, like for me, I thought it was as simple if you pick one or the other, uh, you know, and it is comforting to know that there's a mix of both somewhere. Like you don't just adapt one to fit the other, you know, you're trying to find that middle ground of where, where can we adapt this technology and our process at the same time to get the best results. Um, you know, and so for my, for my next question, I, I want to, you know, for organizational leaders out there, I mean, obviously so many uh, leaders, you know, they're put in their roles to help motivate people, to help kind of delegate, to help get things uh, done. Main, you know, a lot of times are jack of all trades, but masters of none, you know, especially when it comes to technology. I mean, technology, I mean, everyone knows that it's evolving at such a fast rate that it seems like almost every other year we're getting some sort of internal server totally revamped, some sort of internal process completely overhauled, you know, so what can organizational leaders do who maybe are not super tech savvy in beginning to audit themselves or audit their organization uh, to find, you know, where are, where can we make improvements? How would you recommend or how would you guide organizational leaders to think through that process in a technological way? Then to kind of think about the past when if you wanted to get technology, you had to get some servers, you had to get high-speed connections, and oh, by the way, you had to hire a couple of IT people, and you had to have at least two because one of them was going to quit, and then soon as you hired the other one, the other person would quit, right? It, it was a revolving chair, and uh, technology was something that small businesses almost would dread, right? Because it's like, are we going to become dependent on something that we would not be able to sustain? So one huge technological advance that is really ruling all of our lives is cloud computing, right? So what cloud computing enables us to do is tap into those vast technological capabilities without really needing much technological expertise in-house. So you are basically letting somebody else take care of maintaining your website. You don't need to worry about security issues because we made sure that the platform where we put the clients on was inherently secured. They had their own policies for security. We made sure that we turned on all of the security settings. But beyond that, the platform provider takes care of it, right? So we did not in any single case across the many companies that we worked with create any local technological capabilities other than you know maybe telling them oh you need a laptop right you need a your, your old uh, 
feature phone is not going to work anymore. You know, you will need to get a smartphone in order to be able to manage your inventory. But be, uh, and again, when you push things into the cloud, those local technologies that you have, an older laptop is fine. You don't need a fancy new machine because all of the computing capabilities are getting pushed out into the cloud. And even if your network is down, your customers are still able to get to your network and the orders are still going to come in because that's not dependent on a steady, fast connection. So uh, we completely leveraged cloud capabilities and we spent a lot of time making sure that the providers that we were using were going to be around for a long time. So we went with uh, established players uh, depending on the complexity of the underlying uh, things that we were building, we had, you know, the very easy to use website building tool. And we also had the more complicated, highly customizable one. And to the extent that we could, so we assess the capabilities of the client and put them on the appropriate platform so that they could continue to use and leverage the capabilities that we had built for them. You know, finally, as we begin to wrap up, you, you've worked with so many students. You've worked with now hundreds of organizations, if, if, um, if I'm correct. As you kind of sit here and reflect on all the work that Project Hope's done, your students have done, and what you've seen in being hands-on through this time, you know, what's, what's one of the biggest lessons or just one piece of advice that you've learned uh, that you want to share with other organizations uh, that you've learned through this process so they um, can, can grow or, or, or prevent anything from happening to them in the future? So at this point, um, we have had uh, well over 200 students intern with Project Hope, and we are getting close to helping 400 different uh, clients, right? 400 different businesses. So that, that's amazing. What we learned through the process is students, when they are properly trained and you give them an opportunity to actually uh, do things, they can do amazing things, right? So uh, when we started, none of us knew anything about small business technologies, right? We were all consumers. So from a customer standpoint, we knew what the customer expectations are from a restaurant or from a boutique shop but we had never been on the other side. Uh, we had the capability though, from a educational training standpoint to understand technology, to understand business processes, understand change management. So it was actually not that complicated to bring those things to bear on a new problem and say, what can we do when we start with a clean slate? So we actually started uh, with an absolute blank slate saying we are only going to go with the state-of-the-art cloud-based technologies. We are going to go with things that people who have no technology training would be able to use, and we would be able to get them up to speed with two to three days of intervention. So what we learned is, for me personally, the single biggest gratifying thing was watching our students do amazing things. We had always heard from recruiters about how amazing our students are, I got to see it firsthand, right? And to me, that was incredible because we were, if you think about the organization that we built in order to deliver these projects at scale, we were essentially building a plane as it was flying, right? We went from three projects done in two weeks. The next sprint, we did 10 projects the next two weeks. Then we did 
20 projects and, and at our peak, we had 40 projects running in parallel. So we learned so much about scalability and how to create organizational structures where you are empowering people uh, to take decisions and when to reach back for help, creating a center of excellence model where we had a handful of people who are expert in these technologies that we are deploying, but the people who are actually deploying had never done any of these things before, right? We trained them for two days, very smart people, and created a script and said, go do this, and we are here to help you. Again, Bipin Prabhakar, Kelly School of Business Professor of Information Systems and the faculty lead of Kelly's Project Hope. Such an honor to have you on our show. Thank you so much for being our guest. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. <laughs>